Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our latest sermon. We don't take for granted that you take time to listen, and we do our best to bring you valuable content each week. If you find this sermon particularly helpful, we would really appreciate it if you would do us a favor. If you listen on a podcast host, it would be awesome if you would take some time and leave us a rating or review. This helps our sermons be heard by more people. It really does. It is an easy thing to do, and honestly, it could result in somebody's life being changed. Also, if your life is changed as you listen to this sermon, even just a little, we would love to know about it. You can let us know by emailing us at respond at creekside.me. One more thing, Easter is coming up fast, and we would love to have you join us as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We have a bunch of great things going on surrounding our celebration of Easter, and you can learn about all of them by visiting creeksidebiblechurch.org slash Easter. Let's begin with a question. Have you ever been crushed, like totally devastated. Uh, Probably, if you are here and alive and human, you've probably been devastated before, right? Like, you've just had, you've had everything that felt good and stable and, and what seemed valuable taken from you. You've had these things kind of crushed before. Your life is has gone from like, maybe in a single day, I've had this happen where you just, you wake up one morning and everything seems fine and good and you're going about your business and then you get that phone call or you get that text message or you hear about that thing or uh, that thing happens to you and all of a sudden it's just, it's like your world has been knocked down. You've been hurt, you've been devastated. Uh, I mean, we've had... We've had things like this, I mean, and I've, I've detailed these in other sermons, and so I, I don't necessarily want to do it again, but uh, until the last couple of years, really, all the, uh, the couple of years leading up to the birth of our daughter, it was like, it just felt like I just had been knocked down, like life had just knocked me down, and it wore on me. I mean, my wife had two miscarriages, and in the midst of kind of trying to recover from that, uh, Satan just inserted him into my life in a way that, that he's never inserted himself into my life. And I dealt with just what, what felt like a constant attack on my soul for like a year and a half. And I, I've said this before, but a, a constant attack that I don't think I could have gotten through without God, obviously, but without the people uh, in this church, and, and those people know who they are specifically. And then right before uh, Hazel was born, our daughter, my uh, my dog, who was like a child to me, died, and it was totally unexpected and totally out of normal, and, and it, it crushed, you know, like a relationship with an animal, but even like dreams, and Bryn and I talk about this a lot to this day, like right now, like there's this kind of dream of, of having this dog with this baby that we have, with this little girl that we have, and uh, still it's like Christmas isn't what it was supposed to be, you know, and, and we love her, but it's just not quite right, and every picture we took of her as a baby, it was like, man, Roy should be here, he should be in this picture, she should be riding around on his back, uh, he would not have stood for that, but, uh, but that's, I mean, that, it's just like, it was like life just felt like it was being just destroyed, crumbled, it, it, it just never felt right for about three years. And uh, despite it, both my wife and I, our lives are still standing. Uh, we love each other. We are stable people. We've recovered. Uh, we are recovering. We've, able, we've been able to be, I think, decent parents. Uh, and and there's a reason for that, and it's because our lives have never been built on dreams. Our lives have never been built on even having children. Our lives, both of us, uh, are built on, 
on Jesus. And the, and the other question, I mean, I know the, I knew the answer to the first question. Yeah, your life, your life uh, has, I'm sure, been filled with devastation. Things have crushed you. Uh, but the second question I don't know the answer to. Will your life withstand a storm? Storm metaphorically. Will your life withstand the devastation? When you get through all of the broken heartedness, when you get to the end of a tragedy, and the tragedy subsides, and you're there, will your life still be standing, or will you be completely ruined? I read a story this week about a, a couple, a married couple, whose children, along with one of the married couple's parents, were killed in a fire. And so two of their children die and their parents uh, or their in-laws die in a fire all at once. And as I kind of wrote this introduction, I thought, oh, that story, that's that's devastation, right? I mean, that's beyond anything that I could describe or imagine or that I've been through. That's, that's like the pinnacle of horrible. So I Googled the story and I uh, didn't find it. Um, I don't know where I saw it, but I couldn't find the story again. But I, I found this story that I had not heard, and it seems like it was pretty nationally famous. Um, and so maybe you, you've heard this story before, but... Uh, there was a family with the last name Badger, and uh, uh, the woman's name was Madonna, and I don't know the husband's name. I'm actually going to focus on him, but uh, they uh, were divorced, and this lady Madonna Badger was at home on Christmas Eve night, her brand new $1.5 million house, almost every uh, news article said that, and her parents were there, and her boyfriend was there. And her daughters were there. And she was decorating the presents. And the kids had gone to bed. She was up really late. And the girls said to the boyfriend in this situation, Hey, you need to take the, uh, the ashes out of the fireplace because Santa's coming tonight. And so the boyfriend scooped them into a bag, put them outside. And as Madonna was going to bed, uh, she smelled smoke and realized the house was on fire, crawled out of a window was the only way she could go, tried desperately to get into her daughter's uh, windows but couldn't and was pulled off of the ladder uh, along with her boyfriend as her daughters and her parents burned to death. And uh, you think about that, it's like, will a life stand? And the interesting thing is that, uh, and this is just crazy, but as I was Googling this story, I like became just uh, engulfed in this story, and I wanted to know if Madonna was a Christian, because all the news articles were kind of focused on her and what she had been through, and she recently appeared on Oprah and made some comments about God, and, and I wanted to know, like, is this woman a Christian, or is she like, you know, like an Oprah God-fearing person, and, um, and, and so I, I ended up finding her husband kind of as I went down this rabbit trail, and, and he died last month, and, and basically this guy, like, he wanted to kill his ex-wife and the boyfriend, and he started chain-smoking, and he kind of smoked himself to death and had a heart attack and died last week, and I clear just from reading about the guy and and I can't, I'm not judging him I'm not blaming him I'm just saying it's clear that his life did not stand this terrible awful storm he, he went downhill and and he died he died just like a month ago life is full of tragedy and I just wonder if your life will withstand it not only that, but in our world today, all of the things that we have stood on in life seem to be kind of under attack. It, it seems like the, the things that we held to as good and right and true and simple and noble and all of that, 
they've been torn at in recent years. We look around at our world, at least I look around at our world, and I am in almost shock about how quickly our world has changed, how, how much is different from even the time that I was in college, for example, and the things that I could assume and, and look at and say, well, that's obviously true, have come under attack. And so while tragedy is a part of a life that stands, the other question I would have is, is will your life withstand a, a shifting, changing culture? It's an important question to ask as our culture continues to shift and change. And today, we're going to look at this parable, uh, a parable, and I'll explain what that is in just one second, uh, a story by Jesus where, where Jesus says, hey, there's one thing that will allow for your life to stand no matter how difficult life becomes or how much the world changes. Now, in this series, we are going to look at these parables of Jesus. And a parable is a story. You just got that from me. But it's a story that illustrates one point, mainly one point. And uh, there's a danger in a parable and one of these stories that Jesus tells in the New Testament. By the way, only Jesus tells parables in the New Testament. I find that interesting. But there's a danger in trying to look at every detail and saying, well, this guy has to be this guy in this story, and this thing has to align with this theological point. Or even a danger, I would say, in, in looking at these stories in the way that I often look at passages of Scripture in the Bible and teach them to you. And that's going like, well, let's dive into what this word means and how this sentence fits within the context of a whole. These are stories that illustrate a point. We have these, you know that we have these, and uh, one that's always been in my family is, is this little, it's just a phrase, but it's not an entire story, but we've built it into a story, and that's leg over leg, the dog got to Dover, and we, we have say this when life is difficult, when it seems like we have an uphill battle, and uh, the one who taught us that was my great-grandma, and at her funeral, my dad described how we all kind of envisioned the story. A, a dog who is on three legs and has been beat up by, I don't know, some animal and abused by his family and, and has had no food for days, and, and this dog knows that if he can just get to Dover, there will be great food, and, and he'll be able to have a wonderful, good life. And so what does the dog do? He doesn't sit there and think, I just wish I could make it. No, he starts walking on his three legs. Two if it's a really bad day. He just starts walking to Dover and leg over leg, the dog gets there. And I found out recently, by the way, when I Googled, I, this was not for this sermon at all. Just like a few months ago, I, I said leg over leg, got, the dog gets to Dover, the dog got to Dover to Bren and She's like, where's that come from? I was like, I don't know, my family. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I don't, just comes kind of out of nowhere. And, and so we actually Googled it, and there's, a, there's an additional part of it that makes the story even be better. And uh, it's said in some type of old English way, so I've adapted it, but it's leg over leg, the dog got to Dover, and when there was an obstacle, he jumped right over. Isn't that good? And so this has been kind of this, this story, even though it was just kind of a, a proverb almost to us, but it's become in our heads this story that whenever we face life's difficult, life's difficult times when we begin a new chapter and it doesn't seem like we'll ever get to our goals, we just kind of leg over leg, the dog got to it over, so I'm going to do this assignment or handle this thing or deal with this person or go through this day and I'm going to keep moving forward. Now, if you're like... Let's talk about Dover for a minute. Let's talk about exactly what type of city that is. And what kind of dog was it? Like, was it a German Shepherd? Was it a Rottweiler? I mean, what kind of dog was this? Because it matters to the story, like how strong and stern and how much he was able to hold up under the weight. Did he have water along the way? What really happened before? You know, what's the con? Like, you lose the story, right? And you lose the ability to connect. And that is the truth with what we read when we read one of Jesus' parables. You just need to look at it, kind of read it, and go, yeah. In fact, it's, it's difficult um, 
to prepare these sermons. Because it's like, well, Jesus told the story, and the story makes sense, so what am I going to do with that? Maybe I should just read the parable, we'll sing two more songs, and we'll go home. I actually had that thought. I would have been making a point about the power of Jesus' parables, but, but uh, I thought you might fire me or something, and so I decided to preach a sermon anyway. But this is, this is the power of a parable. Jesus tells a story, and he gets out of the way. It's like an anecdote uh, with usually one big point, and Today, Jesus' one big point is, let me tell you how you can have a life that will withstand storms and withstand a shifting culture. Now, the one thing that you need to know, just uh, contextually about this parable, is that Jesus has basically been saying in a bunch of stories leading up to it, there are these guys called the Pharisees. They are respected teachers of the law. They are the ones that people turn to when they don't understand something about the Old Testament. They are the guys that people look to when they want spiritual advice. I mean, these are like the head honchos of the religious culture. And Jesus, leading up to this parable, has basically been saying, listen to me, not to them. Listen to me, not to them. I have the real words of wisdom. I have the real words of life. Don't listen to them. And the other thing that you kind of just need to know about the Pharisees and what Jesus has been saying is the Pharisees, and this is big for just all the parables, the Pharisees were these religious leaders that were not dealing with anything that people considered important. It was as if people would come to a Pharisee and say, I need to know how to remove my sin and how to be forgiven for my sins and how to deal with this extreme guilt that I feel. And the Pharisees would say, hey, let me tell you how many times you need to wash your hands before you eat a meal. What? Like, what are, you, what are you saying? And often, I mean, you probably feel like that a little bit when you come to church. Like, you come here heavy, and, and, and you're looking at the internet, and then I preach a sermon on family life. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not, I needed to know, like, what's true. You know, I mean, you felt that before. Hopefully not a lot at this church, but, but you felt that. And that's what the people are dealing with. In a culture like our own, where it was becoming ever increasingly difficult to know what should be done and what was true and what was good and what was right and how they ought to interact with their own culture and all of those things. And a culture that was dealing with devastation and would deal even more with devastation just a few years after Jesus died. And here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, the best visual that I can give you for what Jesus is saying here, and I would assume that Jesus preached this sermon uh, next to a house that was under construction. And so I would just ask all of you to look out of our window out here. Go ahead and take a look out the window. We have buildings going up all the time around us right here, which is really cool and really unique. And, um, And I can tell you as you look out there and you see those unfinished houses, and then you see the ones that are being pushed, uh, the, the dirt that's being graded for building. Uh, I can tell you that, that every week when we drive over here, and we're over here more than that, but there's something about coming weekly and pulling the trailer, and I have a different route that I oftentimes take. And what you'll notice is that like months are taken to build a foundation. I mean, they get the ground all nice and level. They put that concrete stuff out. Don't quote me if you're a builder. Uh, they, they lay all that foundation on. There's blocks going on. And, and, and like it, it's just like months. And then here in Villebois, they build the rest of the house in about three days. It's incredible. Then the paint goes on. And it's like, wow, two months, two days, you have a house. It's incredible. 
But it illustrates something because none of the Villebois houses have fallen down yet. I mean, none of them have gone down and it illustrates what Jesus is trying to say. The foundation is essential to the stability of a structure. Now, I don't know anything about building anything. Um, it's really bad. Uh, try to build something with me sometime. Uh, and, in fact, this morning we were trying to build something here and I, I uh, used an Allen wrench. I was trying to use an Allen wrench to uh, screw something in. With the, was with a screw. Uh, and so that gives you the idea of my building. But I'm, I'm decent with, with blocks. Um, and I have a daughter. These are hers, not mine. And, uh, and she's getting better now about this. But if you've, uh, if you've ever tried to build with a child blocks, you know that the destroying part is much quicker. And, uh, and so, uh, and I, I, uh, I don't know what it is in my nature, but there's something kind of competitive about me, and you know that if you've been around me. And, and so I have this thing that we've done. We haven't done it as much recently because she's getting older and she actually likes to try to put blocks on. But we have this thing, we have this thing where, and Brynn even got involved. Sometimes she's not that competitive, but it's like you're trying to build as high as you can build it before Hazel turns around and looks at, turns around and looks at you and is like, I'm going to push it, you know? And so we're like, I mean, you're just like, <laughs> like just as fast as possible. You're building this thing and we're doing this on carpet and it's like this. And you'll notice that that's kind of what happens because we don't worry about a foundation at all. Now this one time, I don't know what was happening, but I was distracting Hazel and Bryn had these same exact blocks and, and Bryn was like really being particular. Those aren't even, but uh, she, she was building a foundation. She had a giant square. It was like this big and she was working hard and she built this thing. And Hazel, you know, is like, wait a minute, that doesn't fall over quite as easy, you know. And even when it fell over, there, the structure still kind of stood, you know. It stayed with its foundation. And every time we do it, it's a lesson in the importance of foundation. Like if we could just take these, put a nice square together somehow secure it to the floor, and not carpet probably, by the way, because our carpet actually has an uneven spot. I know almost exactly where it is because it makes the building fall faster. You can't make it nearly as high or nearly as well if you build it in this certain spot. If we could just take some time, glue it down, then that structure would be a lot stronger. And in fact, we get this illustrated for us because we go down to the library with Hazel, and the library has a table with like the... Lego top. I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but it's like glued down Lego top. That's probably not how Lego would want me to describe it, but it's this glued down Lego top, and you can secure your Legos to it, and so Hazel will push it, and they'll kind of bend when I'm building, and, and she's distracted for a second. They'll kind of bend, but it doesn't tumble. And so what Jesus is saying here is quite simple. A life built on him will stand like a house with a good foundation. And what Jesus is really saying is a life built on him will stand no matter what. No matter what. President George Bush, the second one, uh, was not known for his eloquence of speech, but uh, he delivered a couple of lines that I've always thought were two of the best that were ever delivered in uh, American history. I know all the speeches that have ever been delivered, but in my opinion, um, they, they were two of the best lines ever, ever uttered. And I actually remember when I watched this speech live right after the Twin Towers were bombed, September 11, 2001, I remember as he said them, thinking, and I think actually maybe I just had speech class, like I was in college and I had speech class. I think I remember thinking like, wow, that was profound. And then nobody ever talked about him. I'm like the only guy. I've talked about him in sermons before, but nobody's ever like said that was brilliant speech writing. But he said this, terrorist attacks can shake the foundation of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. Now, if his words are true, it's because, it's because of what happened, not in the last five years. It's what's happened at the very beginning of our nation. 
It's what happened when a bunch of people sailed over here and, and then decided that they were going to create a new nation. And they said, let's lay a foundation that will stand forever. In some ways, that was in what they wrote and what they created as law. But in some ways, it was just who they were. They were pilgrims. They were people who were tough and rugged and wanted to build a dream. And we see all of these things still in the core of who we are because America has been built on the foundation of these forefathers. And that's what Jesus is getting at. If you build your life on him, then no matter what comes, your life will still stand and it will stand firm. Uh, one more image, by the way, of illustration, just because, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, but there's been this movement in Asia, this is real, and I just saw the, these weird illustrations this week. But um, trying to get the tallest human pyramid has become like a, a major thing in, in Asia. I'm not sure what country specifically, but it's become like a major thing. And I only knew this because uh, on a news site on the internet just a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, somewhere in that time frame, uh, the record was broken and, and it's, it's quite something. I mean, they're selling it out like it's a football game or something, you know, like America's foundation would not allow for this to be our, our big sport. But, uh, but you look at this and, and it's incredible. And it goes up, by the way, really quickly and you want to know why it has to go up really quickly because there's guys on the bottom of it and and they are shaking like right from the beginning like whoa and and as it gets built up further you know this and I know this the thing that's the most important is in fact the foundation and you can see in this image uh, that there's guys just pushing on the people who are the foundation. That's the job I want. I'll stand there and say, you make sure you're holding the weight, buddy. You know, like, I'm over here. And it's weird that they let them put all those fans right next door, isn't it? Like, if that goes down, that's a bad day. But anyway, you can see and you can know as you look at this. Uh, you feel sorry for about two sets of people here. You feel sorry for the people who are really high up if you're scared of heights. And you're thinking, wow, they just had to climb all the way up there. But you feel most sorry for the guys on bottom that are supporting the most amount of weight. And who, by the way, are having people crawl up their backs over and over in order to get to the second level. And, and that's how they get to the top of this. They just keep climbing on each other. And you got to think that, like, the guys on the bottom, it's terrible. And we know, we know that if one of those guys on the bottom falls down, it's a bad day for everybody that decided to make that the sport in their country and decided to show up. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying the foundation is the most important part. And if it's built on anything but him and his word, then it's going to fall. Now, he gives us three just things that are important to this foundation i mean they're, they're pretty straightforward and he, he says the first thing is he's like people got to come to me like you want a firm foundation you got to come to me you have to become a christian here's what i need you to know i see this in people's lives it's so real to me i grew up watching this and it's simply this that any other foundation that is not jesus is ultimately going to crumble and fail. The first time that a storm comes, your foundation will be destroyed and you will have to build a new one. I have watched people that I am close to build foundation after foundation after foundation, but those foundations are not foundations at all. They're just blocks in a life that is built on nothing. And time after time, I've seen those foundations, those pseudo foundations, crumble and fall when life becomes difficult or when things get hard. I promise, not just because of what Jesus says, but I promise that if you're a person who has not come to Jesus, that you will not be able to withstand the really hard tests of life. It's just not going to happen. 
told the story about the man at the beginning, Mr. Badger, whose life kind of crumbled after his daughters died. On the flip side of that, those of you who have grown up in the church, you know a song called It Is Well. And that song was written by a man whose family had just died. He came to America to do ministry. He came over on a ship by himself, came over, got to America to do ministry. His wife and his children followed after in another ship. And there was a storm. And his family, all of them, were killed. Here he is in a new country getting a letter that his whole entire family was dead. And he penned these words, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's incredible, right? From everything that I know and that we know about what happened in the rest of his life, his life did not crumble. Kept living for Jesus. Kept pushing on. Now that is not to say that he was not hurt, that he was not broken. Those those things come out clearly in that song. It's the reason that song connects with you when you're struggling. Because you know that the person, even if you didn't know that story, you know that the person who wrote it was struggling. You can feel it when you sing the song. But his life did not crumble because his life was built on Jesus because he had become a Christian. And he not only had become a Christian, but he had learned to listen to Jesus. And this is, I believe, where many of us falter. We become Christians and then we don't ever listen to what Jesus is saying to us. We don't read the parables. We don't read about his life. We don't read his words. We don't seek to understand him better in prayer. And so when a storm comes, it's like, Jesus, why don't you make me stronger? And it's like, well, I gave you every opportunity to build your life on a solid foundation, but you have chosen not to because you don't listen to me. I just, I don't want this to be overly convicting, but I mean, if you, if you can't quote like three, four, five things that Jesus has said, and you call yourself a Christian, then you probably have a pretty weak foundation. You're like, well, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. What does Jesus say? I, uh, I don't know. There are major cracks in that foundation. Major cracks in that foundation. And then the last part, and, and this has just got to be true, and, and, and it's this. You have to do what Jesus says. That's part of following him. I hate to tell you that. If you know me well, then you know I don't really believe in people who are Christians that don't follow Jesus. I don't think that's a thing. What it means to be a Christian is that you follow Jesus. It means that you believe Jesus died for your sins. He rose again for the forgiveness of those sins so that you might have life. And then you say, Jesus, I believe that. And I am going to give you my life to accept that gift of salvation. And I will declare you as my Lord. The word that Jesus uses here. That means I'm going to declare you as the one who I will follow without hesitation. I will do what you want. And that's exactly what Jesus is getting at. And a lot of these people who are around Jesus, who are following Jesus, they're like, Lord, Lord. And even by this time, this term has taken on a bigger meaning than just like, I respect you, which is sometimes how it's trans translated, like I respect you or, or, or I look at you as a great person. This is like something deeper and more profound. This is like you are the king of my life in a spiritual sense. And there are people who are looking at Jesus and like, king, Lord, one that's to be feared and obeyed. I'm not going to do anything you want, though. How stupid is that? You know what you, you know. You know it's dumb. Even if you're one of those people, you kind of know it's dumb because if you were to go back in time and you were to, to sit with Jesus and you were to watch the people who followed Jesus and people were sitting next to you and they're like, man, I love this Jesus guy. I think this Jesus guy has the words of life. I think he's the one that everybody should obey. I think the, he's the one who should be worshipped. And Jesus is like, if somebody says... If somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. 
And then this guy who you're talking to is like, you, you see him get hit in the face and he just knocks the guy out. You're like, wait, you, you actually love Jesus? No, you don't. You don't really see him as Lord. You don't really. And we know from what Jesus says that, that the foundation is not real. If we, are not, if we have not given our life to Jesus and if we are not listening to Jesus and doing what Jesus says. I mean, James 1.22 says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Romans 2.13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Like, you don't just get to have a good foundation by saying, I think Jesus is great. You don't just get to have a great foundation by listening to what Jesus says. Like, I've come to Jesus, I come to church, I hear what he says, we're even doing a parable series, and so I know what he talks about, and I read the Bible. You don't get a good foundation because of those things alone. You must be a person who does what Jesus wants. Now listen to me, we all want a good foundation in life, don't we? We all want that. We all want to know that no matter what happens, no matter what people do to us, no matter how much evil comes at us, no matter what tragedy we face, we all want to know that our lives will stand, do we not? But foundation is hard. I already said that you watch these houses here in Villebois go up and it's like months of foundation and days of the rest, whatever you call that. Foundation is hard. What we want in life, whether you're a Christian and it's spiritual or if you're just a person who wants to live a good life, what we want is the fastest way to a beautiful building. We just want to start doing, especially if you're like me, and again, if you ever built something with me, this is how my mind works. Hey, we just want to build something that's cool. We don't want to worry about the stability because nobody is going to see the foundation. Nobody's going to see it. And so we want to, I mean, just in our lives, and if you, I mean, even if you're building something, in fact, in fact, this illustration is just popping into my head, but uh, a couple of months ago at our first Friday prayer um, the, the, the little boys who were there were not in their quietest moods. And so I thought, I'll take them down and I'll teach them to do some hard labor uh, in my garage. And so I took a couple of, of our boys from this church down to the garage and we went down there and I wanted to build a cross with them. Like, that sounds fun. And I, I, I this, we don't do this in the children's ministry, but I had my drill out and my hammer out and, uh, and, and I got the nails out. And I was like, we're going to build this cross because I had scrap wood and and uh, I wanted it to stand. But me and the boys who were with me, we think about building about the same. And so I built this foundation that was crooked and uh, unstable. And I put a couple nails in. And then we built the cross. And it was cool. And we painted it. We spent way more time on the cross. And does the cross stand? No. If you lean it up against brick, it does. But does the cross stand? No, it does not. And that's, that's how our minds work. Whether you're a Christian and you, you want a spiritual life that is strong, or if you're a non-Christian, and you're like, I don't even love Jesus, and I haven't come to Jesus, like, all you want to do is build something that looks good. So many people that I know, their entire lives are built without a foundation. And here's the truth. You can build something beautiful without a proper foundation. You can build something that is just magnificent to the eyes. You can build a life that people will look at and go, wow, look at all they've accomplished. Look at all they've done. Look how spiritual they are. But when the storm comes, it's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. The truth is, and Jesus apparently knows this, you can't see a foundation without a storm. You cannot see a foundation without a storm. We want to uh, sometimes build lives like, like this picture right here. 
<laughs> that just can't be touched by the wind and the waves. We want to build lives like that, but we know that the storms of life are inevitable. They're going to come. And that is when you will find out your foundation. I see this in, in two ways. One is like, I just look at celebrities. Celebrities who, whose lives have just seemingly become like everything that we want in life, right? Like they're successful and they're married to beautiful people and they have money and they're famous and it just looks so good. And then something happens and it's like they fall apart. They fall apart. I mean, the easiest examples, and I try not to use celebrities because because maybe they'll come to church someday, but, <laughs> but you know, the easiest example is, uh, I mean, the Wests, I think I call them now, Kim Kardashian and her husband Kanye, uh, and if you don't know who they are, well, you know, look up something pop culture when you go home, but, uh, or don't, and your life will be just as rich, but uh, I mean, th they now, I'm seeing like, I know everything, by the way, about the Kardashians, only from headlines, so like, I, I feel like I know everything, because they're always in my face, all the time, like, headline, I never read an article, so don't quote me on any of this Kardashian information, but headline, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't believe that, headline, oh, yeah, <laughs> and then I just move on with my life, but uh I don't know if you're aware of this, but Kim Kardashian had like $10 million stolen uh, not too long ago, and she was held at gunpoint, I think. That was from a headline. Uh, and her security guard might have been involved, also a headline. Um, I, I know all these things, but... And then Kanye, headline, uh, has apparently suffered a nervous breakdown right in the middle of this. And now I read just sometime this week, headline... Uh, that they are, or she is contemplating a divorce. And it's like, I'm thinking about myself, and I don't know what the nervous breakdown is from, but that's a life that's not withstanding storms, right? But I can tell you this, somebody could hold me at gunpoint, and my life will stand. I'll be okay next week. And I could have $10 million stolen, can't do that but I could have a hundred bucks stolen which would be about the same to me and my life will stand and it's because my hope is really built on nothing less than than Jesus blood his righteousness and his words someone once asked C.S. Lewis this question why do the righteous suffer and he said why not they're the only ones who can take it that good? Christians who practice what Jesus preached can withstand the storms of life. We're the only ones who can withstand the storms of life. And this does not mean the storms will not come. And it does not mean it won't be hard to stand. Uh, because even with the strong foundation, sometimes the wind and the waves of life beat really, really hard. And they can make us weathered and tired and uh, perhaps not as beautiful as we once were. But we will stand. At the Nicene Council, 4th century AD, so pretty new Christianity, there were 318 delegates, delegates that attended this, okay? This is like they were making important decisions about what Christianity is and what the church would be. 318 delegates were attending. 12 had not lost a hand or an eye because of their faith. 12 or had not sorry there was more or did not limp on a leg because of torture 12 12 and then I look I look at that these people's foundation that allowed them to have their eyes poked out and their limbs cut off and still say first of all I will serve Jesus and second of all, to not go, woe is me, but to show up at the Council of Nicene and say, I will be a part of moving the church forward for millenniums. It's crazy. And then I look at what I see in the American church today. 
and it's vastly different. I see people who are like, well, they were mean to me at that one church, so I'll never be a part of church again. I'll never serve in a church again. That's it. I see people who suffer a tragedy and say, no more Jesus for me if he let this happen. That's it. Like stub my toe. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to serve Jesus anymore. We we're getting to that point. And then I see, and I mentioned this at the beginning, and, and I'm going to bring it back here, and that is, is, is our culture shifts. I see people who even call themselves Christians who are just shifting all over the place with culture. And it's amazing to me, by the way, that the places in my life where I've served Jesus always, none of it seems to need to change as culture shifts. It just doesn't seem to need to change because it's built on what is good and true. Listen to me. Building without a foundation which is what Jesus says here in Luke 6, or building with a bad foundation, which is what he, he says in a very similar parable in Matthew uh, 7. He says, build on sand. That's probably the version you actually know. He says, if you build your house on sand, it will fall. Building on no foundation or a bad foundation is bad. It's bad. And when the storms of life come or when, sh- when culture shifts, you will inevitably watch your life crumble. It's going to happen. In that Matthew 7 passage, there's just a couple of differences. And, and the one is that I already said that there's, there's a foundation of sand there. But the other one is that Jesus calls the builders who build on the sand foolish. And, and so I just want you to hear that. Not only is it dangerous to build your, your life on something other than Jesus and his words. Not only is it dangerous because the storms of life will knock you down, it is also foolish because you will spend your whole life having to pick up the pieces and rebuild again. When the stock market crashes, you will find yourself having to redo everything that you built your life upon. When your family isn't what you dreamt it would be, you will have to rebuild either somewhere else entirely or do a redo. I mean, whatever you got to do, but you'll have to build again. And I just, as I look at life and I see how short life is, I just have to ask, where is the wisdom in building your life on things that we all know can crumble? I mean, you can go right down the list of things that people build their lives on. Like you build your life on being really healthy and exercising all the time. You are going to get old, and you're probably going to get cancer. That's the truth. That's what's going to happen to you. It may not happen until you're 70, but it's going to, and your life then is going to be crumbled. And what are you going to do about it? Start all over? If you built your life on finances and being wealthy, I'm telling you, a couple of things are going to happen. And Jesus tells a parable about this, but a couple of things. One, you're just going to lose it all. Or two, you're going to die. And where does your money go when you die? It's just gone. Some people build their lives on family, and I see this, I see this. And, and then, like, you raise your children, and, and, and this is a thing in Wilsonville. Like, you raise your children, and your lives are built on raising your children. And it's good to love your children, but if your life is built on it, here's what's going to happen. Either A, you're going to have a problem with your kid, or they'll have a problem with you, and you'll be devastated. Or B, they're going to graduate. They're going to get married, and you're going to be really bummed. People that I know who have raised wonderful kids, some of you right here in front of me, who have built your lives on Jesus. When your kids leave, it's awesome to watch because you support them and you love them still, but you just keep going forward, you know? You just keep building the same life that you always built even when your kids were in the house. I mean, we could go down the list of everything. Famous people, they become unfamous. Like, Matt gave a reference about a TV show last week when he was preaching. 
And he said, well, if you're young, you won't know. Those people were famous, and now they're not. I don't know who they were. I don't even remember the name of the show off the top of my head. Like, eventually, you're not going to be famous. You're going to be an old guy who's trying to be famous, and you're going to be on Dancing with the Stars. You know, I mean, that's what's going to happen to you. This is life. Man, if you build it on your talents, your talents are going to go away. Read an article about Michael Jordan not many years ago when he was turning 50. And the article said Michael Jordan can't stop and he keeps thinking that he might be able to make a comeback if he can get down to a certain weight. That's a life built on something other than Jesus. And when it goes away... It's difficult because you have to start a whole new life. So not only is it dangerous to build your life on something that is not Jesus, it is also foolish because everything will go away in the end, as Johnny Cash said it in his song, Dirt. It's all going to go away. So what I want from you is for you to build a foundation on Jesus. If you're not a Christian, please give your life to Jesus. If you're a Christian, I mean, actually listen to, learn about what Jesus has said, and then do your best to put those things into practice. Another thing that we say often in my family is this, only one life shall soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last. Nothing else will last. Come to Jesus, listen to Jesus, and do what Jesus says. Will you pray with me? Lord, I just pray that we would be people, all of us who are here this morning, those who are listening online or who will listen online later, God, I pray for them to that we would build our lives on you. and It's so personal to me, God, because I've seen how often, God, um, people who don't know you, who don't live for you, how often they have to rebuild their lives. And it's sad. It's sad. It's devastating. And some people finally give up, Lord. They just give up. They quit. And uh, their lives turn bad. They turn to masking how bad their lives are. And I don't want that. I want all people, God, to build their foundation on you, for you to be their foundation, for them to build their lives on you. So I pray, God, whether people need, that are listening now need to give their lives to you, whether they need to learn from you or whether they need to do what you want, I pray that they would do it and they would make a choice even before they leave here today. They would make a decision, God, to do what needs to be done so that you can be their rock, their foundation forever. I pray these things in your holy name. Amen.